Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Come with me in your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 13. Um, I, I was kind of living a little bit in a, in a presumption, if I was honest with you, thinking that you know, if I preached a message in one campus, you know, the other campuses would download my message to listen to it. And, uh, and then I, I went on our, on our um, app and I'm trying to find my message on the app. And I'm like, I don't even know half these people. But they're preaching in one of our campuses. Who's that person? He's like, you know them. You met them. Where did I meet them? In the fire. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> And uh, but thank God the campus pastors know who they are. And so, in fact, one was a campus pastor. I'm like, who's Samuel Duda? Not really. How many people love Pastor Samuel? He is unforgettable. Unforgettable. Pastor Samuel is unforgettable. That they are two of the the funnest people. If. Uh, yeah, I, I got to tell you, if um, if you said to me, what's heaven going to be like? What's heaven going to be like? I would say it would probably be very, very close to going to Cabo with Samuel and Katie. <laughs> Could it be better? I'm not sure. But it'll be right in there. It'll be right in that category. They are two of the funnest people. They are fun people. So anyway, long story short... I felt I just felt the Holy Spirit say, and I was kind of like on this this kind of awesome kick where I was writing a new message for every time I got up, and you know, but I felt felt that this was a word, a prophetic word in season. Now, uh, you know, I am a little bit like lightning, which sounds like a compliment, so I'll, I'll receive it. But if you know anything about lightning, it never strikes the same place twice, and so I can preach the same message with the same notes, but it never comes out the same <laughs> twice. So come with me. In your Bible, 2 Corinthians, Second uh, Kings, chapter thirteen, verse fourteen says, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash the king of Israel came down to him, wept over his face, and said, "My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen." Of all the things to say over a dying man, I'm not sure if that's even in my top ten. My father, my father, Elisha's not his father. And uh, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. But, but the king here, King Joash, is literally quoting the words of Elisha when Elisha was the servant of Elijah. And Elijah was being taken up to heaven by a whirlwind. Two people in the Bible did not have to die to go to heaven. One was Elijah. The other one was Enoch. God, you know, Enoch walked with God. And the Bible says, and one day he was no more, for God took him. God took him. And the Bible says, before he, had, before he was translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So God just decided one day, Enoch's walking with God, and God decided, you know, where are you going? He goes, oh, I better get home. He's like, why don't you just stay? And he never came back. He never came back. It's like going to the Amalfi Coast. You never want to come back. It's, 
Positano, Capri, it's so beautiful. Anyway, so, so, so Elijah is the second guy that, that went to heaven without tasting death. But Elisha's following him and, uh, as his servant. And so Elijah's like, look, why don't you just stay here? I'm going to cross over into Jericho. And he says, as the Lord your God lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you or, or forsake you. So they cross to, uh, to Jericho, then they go to Gilgal, and then they get to the Jordan. And again, he says, listen, just enough now. You wait here. I'm about to be translated. And, and so he goes, no, as the Lord your God lives, I'm coming with you. And so he says, all right. He says, listen, what do you want me to do? In fact, go with me, 2 uh, Kings chapter 2, verse 8. Have a look. Elijah turns to Elisha, and he basically says, uh, that he takes his mantle, he rolls it up, strikes the Jordan River. The Jordan River parts. They walk across on dry, dry ground. And then uh, when they crossed over, that Elijah says to Elisha, he says, you know, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha says to him, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Let a double portion. There was nobody like Elijah. He destroyed the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah, called fire down from heaven, broke a drought. And he's like, I want double what you got. I mean, I, I, I'd be happy for a 50% discount. <laughs> like if people said, dude, you got like, I see like some of Elijah on you. 50% of it rubbed up on me. Oh yeah, be impressed. Not Elisha. He's like, I want double what you carry. The audacity. I, 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 I see what you did. I see, but I want double that. And have a look at, at Elijah. Elijah doesn't rebuke him. Doesn't rebuke him. Elijah says, man, you have asked a hard thing. You have asked a hard thing. I want you to know this and say, you've asked a hard thing. Stop it. How dare you ask for hard things? This is church. We're meant to just be complacent. We're meant to just kind of be, be poor, ugly, and stupid. <laughs> for permission. We're meant to just eke our way through life. We're, Pastor, we're meant to be on those websites buying, buying baked beans and dry foods. And have you got enough for the next seven years in case, in case pal goes out and we can't figure out how to switch it back on? Do you have yourself a generator? And then if you got a generator, have you got enough fuel to keep that generator going? And have you picked out a cave out there in the mountain there? You got to get yourself a cave and you got to get yourself some dry food. And funny enough, we're selling it right now and there's different packages, but this is, this is good. I mean, I wouldn't eat the stuff, but this here is good. When you open it, it'd be as fresh as when we packed it with them packing peanuts in there. In fact, the packing peanuts are probably more nutritious and taste better. Than the, but anyway, this is, and so, <laughs> Elisha didn't get the memo. He's asking for a hard thing. I like Elisha. So when, when Elijah went up, when the, the, the angels and Elisha calls out, my father, my father, 
the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And the Bible says that Elijah was taken up, but his mantle dropped. And so Elisha goes over and he rolls up the mantle. And the Bible says now the, the school of the prophets, 50, 50 prophet students were standing on by the bank of the Jordan River and they were watching intently. And the Bible says that Elisha came and he struck the water and of the Jordan. He says, where is the God of Elijah? And as the, as the mantle struck the water, the water parted and Elisha walked across on dry ground. And it says, and then they knew that the spirit of Elijah now rested upon Elisha. Elisha struck the water to release the anointing, to release the mantle. Now the king is surrounded by the Syrian army who daily are growing in numbers. They are, they are so out, outnumbering Israel that it looks like Israel's defeat is inevitable. They've cut off their, their, their supply chains for food and they're damming up all the rivers that flow in so that there's no water in the city. And Joash comes to Elisha and he says, I know that your departure is imminent. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen, I know you're going, but do you have one last miracle? Do, do, you know, do, do you have one last breakthrough? Do you have one last in your bag? Is, is, is there one more deliverance? In the bottom of your barrel, I know if we read the story, Elisha is literally in his last breaths. These are his last moments on the earth. And here is a king desperate for breakthrough and he comes to him. And so Elisha then, go back to the story. Elisha says to him, take a bow and some arrows. So the king took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, now open the east window. And he opened it. And then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the, deli and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. Now, this is why I like the New King James. Have a look what it says. He says, for you must strike. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek until you have destroyed them. Everyone say, must strike. must strike. You must strike the Syrians at Aphek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. He's, he's, he's final breaths. Take the arrows. And so the king takes the arrows. And he says to the king, strike the ground. And the king tap, tap three times. And he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. He said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you have destroyed it. But now you will strike only three times. Then Elisha died and they buried him. I want to bring up four quick thoughts out, out of this passage. The, the, the first thought that I have is, is it's very important that you and I understand that God moves in atmospheres. God moves in atmospheres. God creates atmospheres. God creates atmospheres. In fact, God creates a space and then he fills it. He created the heavens and then he filled it with stars. Filled with galaxies, filled it with cosmos. God created the seas and then he filled it with all kinds of life. God created the earth and then he filled it with all kinds of trees and herbs and plant bearing fruit. And then he created, God creates a space and he fills it. God creates a space and he fills it. God is, God is, a, God is a God of atmospheres and he, and, he, and, he, and he moves in atmospheres. 
the Bible says Jesus in Mark chapter 6 came to his hometown. He came to Nazareth, came to his hometown. And when he began to preach and tell of all the miracles and all the, the, the things that God was doing, the Bible says the locals went, huh, where, 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 where does this man get this wisdom that such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't, isn't his brothers and sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. And the Bible says Jesus in that environment could do no mighty work. He could save he laid his hands on a few sick people. And Jesus marveled at their unbelief. And he said, a prophet is not without honor except in his home country. So we know that, that Mark was saying that the unbelief was the prevailing atmosphere. But Jesus says the unbelief is symptomatic of a lack of honor there. Because of the unbelief and the lack of honor, I'm not able to do a mighty work here. When we came to San Diego, we recognized that there were some things in the atmosphere we needed to shift. We needed to shift. Let me just say this to you, and I know it's going to be offensive, but I'm going to say it anyway. Is that, that God doesn't have to turn up. No, no, Pastor, you don't understand. We got him on the roster. We, 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 we rostered a three-day revival. He better show. Like he's on the hook right here. You know, we, we can have a sign out the front that we are the first church of God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, and the seraphim and cherubim, angels of the heavenly host, sanctuary of holiness and righteousness and mechadim. And he doesn't have to turn up. What God, what, what, where he does turn up is worship. I'm not talking about singing. You can sing and not worship. And you can worship and not sing. But God is drawn to worship. God is drawn to hearts that are open to Him. God, 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 God is God and he, he creates atmospheres. There's an, there was an atmosphere around Elijah. Because Elisha says, huh, I see what you carry. And he says, I want double of what's on you when you're taken up. Uh, where, where you go, miracles go. Where you go, power goes. Where you go, transformation happens. He says, I want double what you carry. And Elijah says to him, you have asked a difficult thing. You have asked for a hard thing. Nevertheless. Can I just tell you, for me, one of the barometers of how well we're teaching, how well we're preaching in awakened church is by what people are asking, by what people are believing for. By what people are believing for. You should be believing for difficult things. You should be believing for hard things. You should be asking for hard things. Jesus' number one assignment with the disciples was to, to break them free from the, the, the finite, the limited, the miserly, the miserable, the naysaying, negative, hopeless, helpless, struggling thoughts of the world. Jesus had to continually say to them, Oh, ye of little faith, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Now, if you're with men, knock yourself out. It's going, to be with, it's going to be impossible. But I'm trying to get you to cross the line and get with God. Once you cross over and you get with God, you step into a realm where all things are possible. You step into an all things are possible network. 
You don't have to move to Oklahoma or Alabama to own a home. You can own a home right here in North County, San Diego. Oh, pastor, that's a difficult thing. Since when is God intimidated by the difficult? Do you really think God's in heaven going, Gabriel, Gabriel's not fair. They, they think that I'm God. Well, Lord, you are. Oh, yeah. Well, well, they're asking for difficult things. I don't want to do difficult things. I just want to do easy things. But, like, the Bible, rec- rec- like, it calls you the Almighty. I know. I just think they were getting carried up. No, no, he's Almighty God. Is anything too difficult for him? Is anything too hard for him? Let me just say this. I know I'm messing with heads, but it's good. We, we kind of had a rule over the years, you know, because, you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, cycling as you're going. You're using, you know, developing people. But, but when I would see someone, you know, hey, we want you to get up and pray. And they'd get up and pray. Lord, we just ask that you just... And Lord, we just, because we know you're busy, and so we don't want to really bother you with that. And we're going to bring a big request, but we, you know, we don't want to, so we're just going to ask for something real, real small, something real simple, something that if you don't do it, we don't really get, you know, despondent or heartbroken or because, like, it doesn't really matter. So we're just going to ask for, like, some, like, okay, they're never praying again. <laughs> Let me tell you, you don't compliment God when you pray a little easy prayer. Lord, we just, no, 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 you compliment God when you ask for difficult, when you ask for impossible. Jesus' number one rebuke. Now, watch this, watch this. I, I saw this in, in the break, Pastor Samuel. So, watch the language of the disciples. When Jesus first calls Simon Peter, he says, depart from me, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy. Depart from me, depart from me. That's, 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 where, that's where he begins. Just a little while later, in just hanging out with Jesus, the, the disciples, the posse, are arguing, which one of us is the greatest? Jesus, we're arguing over you. Which one of us is the greatest in the kingdom? Arguing with me. Like, that, they, they, they went from, depart from me, I'm pathetic, I'm a worm, to which one of us is the greatest in the kingdom? All right. Uh, James and John say, Lord, do something for us. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? In glory, like in eternity, for all eternity, where you're sitting on the throne, put him on your left and me on your right. We were like, right there. Like, it's like, you don't know what you're asking. But these guys, there was something about the atmosphere of Jesus where they felt like they could ask for the ridiculous. They could ask for the impossible. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Whatsoever things you ask for in prayer, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. When we came to San Diego, they told me in emphatic terms that there is no zoning for churches in San Diego. So all the churches aren't giving up their buildings. So just get good with renting schools and maybe hotel facilities. But as far as owning a building, just kind of just don't get, don't even let your heart get broken. Don't get despondent. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Don't even bother. And just to just to reinforce, just to amen and drive this home. Understand, San Diego was back then the fifth most expensive city in all the United States of America. So even if there was zoning. You got to raise a heck of a lot of money to, and so just just ramp. That's what they tried to tell me. 
But I got to tell you that there's an atmosphere around God that every time I stepped into God, it's like, oh, what are you doing? Well, God, it's the fifth month and there's no zoning. I'm saying, it's, oh, it's not, I can't believe you. Why would you call me? Why don't you call me to like a Bible belt? And God's like, no, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. He says, are you with men or are you with me? Because with men, it's impossible. But I didn't ask you to come to San Diego to be with men. I asked you to come to San Diego to be with me. And my network is called the All Things Are Possible Network. Just here, we have three buildings now. We have this one. We have the flooring place next door. And then we have the, the, the kids one across the way. Because we just asked. The God that you and I serve is a God that invites you to ask. Ask difficult things. We are putting faith in your heart. We are teaching right when you are asking for the difficult, when you're asking for the impossible. The doctor said we couldn't have children, but we're believing God for a baby. The, 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 the negative Nancy says you'll never own a home. We believe. The, 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 the economists say that we're going into a recession, but I believe that. What are you asking for? Somebody say amen. All right, number two. Number two, wage the good warfare. Wage the good warfare. So the, the, the Syrian army is, is encamped. The the king goes to the man of God and he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. I want you to notice that Elisha, the man of God, speaking as the mouthpiece of God, doesn't say, hey, hey, Joash, ho, 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 cool your jets there, buddy. God's got it. He's still on the throne. He's in total control. Just go back and have a little nap. Watch a movie on Netflix. God's got it. He doesn't do that. He says, take a bow and some arrows. We don't fight for God. We fight with God. We fight with God. He says, take a bow and some arrows. And then he says to the king, put your hand on the bow. And the king puts his hand on the bow. And then Elisha puts his hand on the king's hand to say, I'm blessing warfare. All advancement in the kingdom requires spiritual warfare. If there was no evil one, you wouldn't have to engage in warfare. But there is an evil one that in John 10.10, Jesus says, the thief... So straight away, he's not coming for anything else but to steal. The thief cometh only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, put on the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, taking up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith by which you are able to quench some of the fiery darts. Sorry, most of the fire, all the fiery darts of the evil one. Now, I've met Christians over the years and like, you know, pastor, you know, we're going to put on our armor. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. And, and there are other people, they read that and they go, <laughs> they're not. And can I just tell you that the armor isn't like, it's not a fashion thing. 
It's not like Paul saying, guys, we need to do like a, like a full makeover of the kingdom. Hear me, hear me, here's a pitch, hear me. What if, what if we present the kingdom in like warrior terms? Oh, I like where this is, Roman occupation. Oh, Paul, you go, you go, Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah, and we've got like, you know, like a helmet, like a Spartan helmet, breastplate of righteousness. We call it the breastplate of righteousness. It, 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 it wasn't fashion. It wasn't like in 2023, Paul Andenberg. He's wearing the armor of God. Oh, yeah, he's too sexy for his church. Too sexy for his, he's too sexy for his. The old Paul Andenberg. That's his favorite song, isn't it, Allie? It is now. The, 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 the armor of God isn't for fashion. The armor of God is for engagement. And I want you to notice, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, feet shod, shield, sword. I want you to notice there's no back. If you look at the back, you just see Calvin Klein. That's all you see. It's a little awkward, a little breezy. The reason there's no back on the armor is because you're not meant to be running from the enemy, but rather you're meant to be engaging, running toward the enemy. You are meant to be advancing. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of hell, though they try, will not prevail against it. There are only two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And our job is to take ground from the enemy. As the kingdom of God increases, the kingdom of darkness decreases. We have to engage at Santee. We have to engage at Oceanside. We have to engage in our community. We have to engage in the political realm, in the educational realm, in the realm of arts. and inter We have to engage because our assignment is to put on the armor of God and take down principles principalities, powers, thrones, and dominions. Everything we have got, we have gotten through spiritual warfare. Leanne and I recognize the devil ain't given us one thing. But what we have noticed is the devil doesn't stop himself from stealing ourselves, stealing our peace, trying to take my firstborn, trying to take my youngest, trying to screw with our finances, trying to put discouragement in our heart, trying to create division in my team. I have found that I have to engage the devil. I have to bind the devil. I have to put on the armor of God. I've got to take a bow and I'm going to take some arrows. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18. He says, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you by them, Wage the good warfare, 1 Timothy 1.18. According to the prophecies, we will say, well, you know, you know, Pastor Rex prophesied. If you're looking for me, I'll be out the back lying in my hammock with a margarita. A little martini just waiting. Come on, Lord, do your prophecy thing. Paul says, this is not how it works, son. He says, the word was released, but the word is opposed by the devil in the earth. That's why he's called the evil one. He doesn't want God's will. When God's will come to pass, it diminishes his kingdom. So he resists God's will. So you and I have to put on the armor of God and according to the prophecies previously made, engage the devil and take territory from him. Take territory from him. Take ground from him. So every area where they told me we can't do something, I'm like, huh, huh, get thee behind me. 
That's, that's going to be our next location. It's going to be our next campus. Where else do you not want us to be, devil? Great. That's the next place we're going to plant as well. Don't let the devil set the limits over your life. David wrote in the Psalms, you have set my boundaries and my boundaries have fallen in glorious or pleasant places. You've enlarged my borders. The devil is a thief. If the devil's stealing from you, take a bow and some arrows. And then he says, open the east window. And the king could have said there, listen, I know you're, <laughs> you're probably a little bit delirious because you're about to die. The enemy is not in the east. The enemy is, come here, I'll show you. Open the north window, show him the enemy. This is where the enemy is. Elisha, Elisha doesn't say open the north window and look at the problem. He says, I want you to go and open the east window. Open the east window. Window of opportunity. Window is something we look through. Window speaks of vision. Why do we have a window in, in our house? So you're not looking at a wall, but you're seeing through the wall into what is outside. He says, I want you to open the east window. Malachi 4 verse 2. Talks, it's, it's a prophetic word about Jesus Christ. But it calls him the son, S-U-N. He is the S-U-N. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. God says, I'm not getting you to look at the problem and the economy and the naysayers and what the devil's doing and what the devil's piping up and what the devil's saying. He says, instead, I want you to look through the east window. He says, now take an arrow and shoot. He took an arrow, shot. And Elisha prophesies the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and deliverance from Syria. Genesis 13, verse 14 and 15. Abraham is just separated from Lot. He let Lot choose and Lot chose the well-watered plains of the Jordan. Abraham had the wilderness of Shechem. Where Lot goes, it's green, it's beautiful, it's lush. Where Abraham is, it's difficult terrain. But when Lot separated from, from Abram, the Lord comes. And he says, Abram, Abram, lift up your eyes from where you lie and look. Look northward, southward, eastward, westward for all the land that you see I'm giving you. All the land that you see I'm giving you. The reason I'm not getting you over here is I don't want, I don't want the, the negativity to influence what you see. So I want you to open the east window and it's out of the east window of the sun rising on a new day, on a new future. You don't understand, Pastor. I need to deal with the enemy because he's robbed us generationally. My, my grandfather was an alcoholic. My grandfather was, was an abusive man. My grandfather had brokenness and poverty and the same in my father. It's the same in my... God says, don't even look at that. I want you to open the east window. And I want you to see the sun who rises in righteousness with healing in his wings because there's a new day. And that's where you shoot your arrows. You begin to prophesy. You begin to shoot the promises of God. You declare God's goodness and God's promises into a new day. All my children shall be taught of the Lord. You begin to shoot the... If God before me, who or what can be against me? That every place the sole of my foot shall tread. God, you begin to shoot your arrows into a new day. You shoot your arrows into... And so then, 
Elisha, almost his last statement, he says, now take the arrows. He says, because you have to strike the Syrians until you have destroyed them. He says, now take the arrows and strike the ground. And the king And the man of God was angry. He said, why, why, why'd you stop? You should have struck five or six times and you would have defeated them. But now you'll only strike three times. And they'll regroup. And if you read the story, which we always encourage, they won three of the skirmishes. They won three of the battles with the Syrians. But they lost the next two as they regrouped and they came back. And Israel became subject to Syria. I say all of that to say this, that God's power was available. God's word and God's promise was released. But the king determined how much of that power flowed. The king determined how much of the promise let me tell you, God gave promises to the Israelites. He says, I'm delivering you from Egypt and I'm taking you into a land flowing with milk and honey. A good land, a good and large land. And the Bible says that that entire generation perished in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb because they, their negativity, their grumbling and their complaining, their naysaying, their negativity was so God promised that generation. But that generation, because of their actions or inactivity, didn't inherit the promised land. It was the next generation that came. When God sent us to San Diego, I was determined that He won't have to look for somebody else to do His will. When God says, strike the ground, I'm going to strike. And I'm going to keep striking until He says stop. Until He says, hey, hey, Yerk, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, settle down. You're still striking? Come on, boy, you, you can quit now. Hey, it's enough. You bring the tithe, and I'll open the windows of heaven. Because you have withheld, heaven has withheld. When you release, heaven releases. I don't like this. That makes me responsible. Exactly. The king struck three times with the promise and the prophetic word. The man of God was angry. Why did you quit? Why did you stop? You should have struck five or six times. If you said to me, hey, pastor, when did my life unravel? When did the wheels fall off? I can tell you. It was go back to what God last said and where did you quit on it? Where did you stop on what God had said? The man of God didn't say stop. He said strike. Yeah, you don't understand, Pastor. I hear you. You're up there saying, oh, how you got her is how you keep her. Well, we did three date nights and nothing. Nothing's changed. She's still all lippy and... Well, who, 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 who said stop? Who said stop? You strike until. He says, you must strike until you've defeated the enemy. In Genesis 3, 17... God comes to Adam who has sinned 
And a lot of people think that God cursed Adam. God didn't curse Adam. If we throw the scripture up, Genesis 3, 17, and God comes to Adam and says, because you, you listened and allowed yourself to be influenced and you ate the, from the tree I for, forbade you to eat from, cursed be the Cursed be the ground for your sake. Cursed be the ground. Elisha didn't say strike the floor. He said strike the ground. Strike the ground. Strike the ground. You must strike until. You must strike until. Elisha struck the Jordan to release the flow. But the ground is different because the ground is under a curse. And to strike a curse, you've got to strike until. We have generational curses. I had generational curses that came down. My beautiful Leanne, she had generational curses that came down. And I'd love to tell you, in the first time we prayed, you know, God sent Tinkerbell with, you know, with pixie dust and, and, and the curse was broken and we were free. We were free like birds. We were like little butterflies flying around and landing on stuff going, oh, that's not what happened. We had to strike until, we had to strike until, we had to strike until, some of them five years, some of them 10 years, some even 30 years later. But you know what I ain't doing? I ain't quitting. You know what I ain't doing? I ain't letting up. I ain't backing up. Well, you haven't got breakthrough in that area. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to strike until, I'm going to strike until, I'm going to strike until. Well, pastor, you know, I tried that, but this is my fifth time in rehab. I keep slipping back in. Yeah, we'll strike until. Get up again and strike. The Bible says, though the righteous fall seven times, seven times he rises again. The only time we lose is when we stop striking. Strike until you must strike. You must strike until the enemy is defeated. But I, I, I tried men's prayer. Strike until. I tried to strike until. You don't understand. We put offers on houses and we got outbid. We got strike until, strike until, strike until, strike until. The persistent widow. Luke chapter 18. Jesus tells the story of the persistent widow. That she, she comes day after day down to the courthouse. And the Bible says that the judge neither fears God or regards man. And, and Jesus is telling this as a story about prayer. When you pray, be like this woman. She keeps coming day after day. Give me justice. Give me justice. You're going to give me justice. My family, you're going to give me justice. And, and, and the judge is like, throw her out of court. I don't even listen to your case. Line up. Submit with the city and maybe we'll take it. But, but every day, every day. It gets to the point where months later, he, he, he gets to the courthouse. He's like, oh, dear God. Even though I don't have any regard for you, please don't let that woman come. If you want to smite someone, start with her. He's just sitting down. He's just got his robes. He's about, he's got his little gavel, bench. He's all good. He looks at the clock. It's 8.59. It's about to go 9 o'clock. They're about to open the door. And already all he is. He's like, oh, God. Shall I open the door? It's 9 o'clock. They open the door. She comes. Throws around. The next day, he's like, "Oh, please, please, God, please." Eight fifty-nine. Oh no, 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 no! It can't be, please. It can't be. It's gonna be someone else. We're opening the door. It's nine o'clock. 
Finally, he says, all right, all right. Jesus says, he gives a justice not because he cares, but lest she weary me with her continual coming. He says, likewise, I say to you, when you pray, don't lose heart, but be like the persistent widow. What is the persistent widow? She's a push woman. She prayed until something happened. She prayed until something broke. She prayed until the curse was broke. She prayed until... Come on, stand to your feet. You got to strike until. You got to strike until. You got to strike until. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open. Seek and keep on seeking. Ask and keep on asking. The devil is the architect of discouragement. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, I break the spirit of discouragement. I break those who have tried and it didn't work, tried and they felt tried and discouragement has overcome their lives. Father, I thank you right now that the spirit that is on the inside of them is a resilient spirit. It is a resurrection spirit. It is a spirit that doesn't abandon to hopelessness or abandon to decay or abandon to the grave, but it is resurrection. It is new life. It is breakthrough. It is, it is transformation. It is the impossible becoming possible. Father, I thank you right now. I break the spirit of encouragement. And Father, those who have said, man, I battle with this thing. It's been generational. You don't need to look at the north window. You look out the east window. There's a new day coming with freedom. There's a new day coming with deliverance. There's a new day coming where instead of repossession, instead of foreclosure, you're going to own title. You're going to own deeds. You're going to own your own property. You will sit in your house, in your living room with people around having fellowship, eating the best food, drinking the best wine, having the greatest fellowship. Or you may say, well, pastor, you don't understand. We're generational drug addicts. We're generational alcoholics. Yeah, not with you. You're going to be the first generation that breaks the cycle. You are the cycle-breaking, curse-breaking. How do you know this, pastor? Because I'm telling you, if you will strike until, if you will strike until, if you will strike until, victory is yours. Come on, if you believe that, give God a great praise. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.